Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. He's done it again. Marcus Rashford on his Premier League debut. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Premier League Podcast here on FanRag Sports. My name is Sebastian Noren. With me is Elliot Niblock. No Polly today, but you'll get a mobile take from Monsieur Questel at the end of the show. Um, <laughs> the, the French moniker for the lovely New York Jew. Yep, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, a couple of bigger news things that we'll talk about here today. As I've been scouring the pages online for something to talk about. And <laughs> one thing that did come up was uh, some leaked information about the potential deal in the sale of Newcastle. And um, one of the sticking points here for uh, Amanda Staveley um, is that she wants a relegation compensation clause written into the sale. So if she buys the club, they go down to the championship, she'll get money back from uh, from Ashley. So that's that's just bullshit. Like that's that's buying that's like buying a business. And you know what? I I'm, I'm going to admit my ignorance in this level. I I've never negotiated a multi-million or billion dollar contract before, but it seems to me kind of BS to buy a business and say, oh, but by the way, if we don't turn a profit at any time in the immediate future, then we're, you know, you've, you've got to pay me back the money that we didn't make. Like, no, you're, you're buying a business venture and you don't know how it's going to go. We don't know how it's going to go. That's the whole reason that this thing is interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's weird when it's in the middle of the season. Like, I don't think this would be an issue if we were, if they were doing this in the summer. Yeah, um, you know, ahead of the this season, but you know she's offering around three hundred million pounds, uh, according to Sky Sports. That seems like nothing. I mean, that's that's um, that's three Pogba's. Three Pogba's aren't going to win the league. Three hundred million <laughs> pounds to like... U.S. Let's see. Yeah, it's. Well, I mean, the the pound's gotten stronger in the last few months. So so it's... that's about roughly. Four hundred and three million dollars. That's still yeah, not but, a lot. No, it's not. I mean, it, and the thing is that they've been they've been kind of shit lately at St James Park. But at the same time, like Newcastle are a long and storied club. Like they're they deserve they deserve more than that. Yeah. So they're in negotiations still, and uh, it looks like she's trying to stick to this um, as her PCP Capital Partners. Right, uh, try to get this deal done here. Um, and then there's also talk about, you know, if they're going to, if they do get the deal done and then you have that whole period where the league goes over the deal, they check out, you know, the new owners and all that stuff. 
that they would still, you know, approve some funding for the January transfer window. Well, that, I mean, to me, what's interesting there is that that seems like, that seems to me, instead of kind of a absurd clause for a midseason sale, that seems more more legitimate to me. I don't know. I I think that so many owners of football clubs, especially, you know, it's I think that it's different depending on what sport you're in, right? Like ownership in other sports, especially kind of single leagues that have more or less a monopoly on the sport, right? Like NFL football, for example, I think is the most, is the best example. It's like, A, they have revenue sharing. B, you know, it's not like there's a competitive league in Italy and Germany and Spain that one could go to as with proper football, but it's just all in house. And so there's no, there's not really a question about not being competitive because you have a monopoly on the talent, but in soccer, that is absolutely not the case. And so promising to invest money in the squad. I mean, I, the, the example that comes to mind at the moment is Roy Hodgson, who's been like doing fantastic in his new position, you know, admittedly battling relegation, but he's been doing a great job. And when he got hired on at Anfield, the rallying cry from that Boston sports group was, we're going to give him the transfer window. We're going to give him a transfer window. And then what did they do? They didn't give him the freaking transfer window. And so I think that that kind of like having a contractual obligation to invest in the squad. And again, maybe this is also my own subject position as an Arsenal supporter and being infuriated by Stan Kroenke being kind of a tool, but having, having that is not just a, vague promise but a contractual obligation that to me seems like smart negotiating i mean yeah it's a must i mean if they want to get to safety i think they need to invest some more money into the squad i do love the fact that then tidbit here that ashley and staveley met face to face for the first time last week in a london <laughs> curry house oh that's great a there london are many fantastic curry ones. house yeah. Dude, the, the Indian food in London is like some of the best I've ever had. Oh, it's amazing. But I just love that they call it a curry house instead of an Indian restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what we would yeah. call it over here. Maybe we should start calling curry houses over here too. It's got a nice <laughs> ring not? to it. Uh, yeah, and then another talking point, uh, Jack Wilshere. Uh, I know he got some uh, some flack for ice skating. Did you see that Instagram post? Yeah. People whatever. are like, what are you doing? You're going to break something. Um, he says that. Let the man live. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he says that he has yet to get a, a new contract offer from Arsenal. And, you know, we're closing down on what? Three weeks until New Year, roughly. Yeah. Which would Plus, make him eligible to start talking to other clubs abroad. I mean, I'm. It drives me bats because, you know, Arsenal have these – he's – I almost said this when you and I were corresponding before we started recording the show, that, like, he is kind of the the black sheep contract run out in this year. And he's played really well in the games that he's been giving an opportunity. Now, granted, I think that Arsenal are, as those uh, social media trolls who will always be there – have said, you know, you have some concerns about him getting injured, whether it's ice skating or playing as a midfielder for Arsenal Football Club. But at the same time, 
he's clearly really talented. And the way in which Arsenal have stood by Santi Cazorla through his truly horrific injury, you know, like this, this that saga is almost unparalleled, I think. You know, I mean, skin grafts from his arm. Like, it's, yeah. it's remarkable. But the way... The way that they have stood by them, I think, is admirable. And yet, conversely, the the fact that they seem to be kind of pussyfooting around re-signing Jack Wilshire until they are proved that he's going to stay fit, I, it seems to me it's either it's either unrealistic requests on Jack's behalf by either himself or his agent or both parties, or it is hesitance on Arsenal's stand and that to me is it's just ridiculous like no I mean they should be they should be resigning this player he's yeah he I, I don't care that he is injury prone I think that he was truly a fool to try to force the issue with the Bournemouth loan to get more playing time but he's a talented player you know some of the touches that he made in the midweek fixture yesterday against West Ham were truly astounding. And that's, and that's the thing is that yeah, he can be a kind of inconsistent player. He has a lot of question marks surrounding his fitness, but he is a deeply talented footballer who plays in the midfield, which is an area of severe need for Arsenal. And to let him go would be foolhardy, I think. And it, you know, it's, I think that they're probably, Maybe Arsene Wenger and probably the board are nervous to get Abu Dhabi again, <laughs> but I don't care. Like he's a talented football player. People get injured. People have their careers in all walks of life get ruined for reasons that are frustrating, and it, you've got to you've got to take the chance on him because he's got a lot of talent. He's clearly shown his love for the club in mer- various different respects down the years, and I think that they they've just got to that that to me you know. We've spoken on this podcast before about like playing football fantasy video games, and if I'm if I'm playing FIFA or Football Manager, before I even try to deal with Urzel and Alexis, I re-sign Jack Wilshire because he's not going to get a great deal many other places. Yeah, he's going to get a shot, but Arsenal are a big club, a club that have stood by him in the past, and unless he is the one who is refusing to put pen to paper. Then they've they've got to resign. Well, it doesn't really kind of a sad that they have. Yeah, it doesn't really sound like it's from his end though. He's you know sort of took a little dig at Wenger there, saying like he he, like there's no update. Yeah. So uh, we'll see what happens, but I mean he's been at the club since he was nine years old. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and and the thing is that in this day and age, it's it's very rare to have players like that. And I'm not going to put my foot in the mouth the way I did previously in talking about Harry Kane. Know, and try to suggest that he's of a similar quality, but it means something not only to the fans in the stands, but I think that it means something in the dressing room and the ethos of the starting 11 or the, the squad as a whole when you have a player like Harry Kane who grew up supporting this team and, you know, he tears his mask off when he scores against Arsenal. And if you're a, you're, if you're a gooner, that's heartbreaking, but... It, it's it means something to him and he knows what it means and he can relate to it and he can translate that passion onto the pitch in a way that people who aren't players like Harry Kane or Josh Wilshire just they just can't or at least they can't as quickly. You yeah. know, I think that 
that other players have, you know, become acclimatized to football clubs and get to know the supporter and culture and they can really respect it and reflect it in a way that is successful and, you know, and is legitimately representative of the fans. But in if you grow up with that ethos, then that's that's inimitable, right? Like there's no acclimatization that that can account for that. And I think that that is maybe an intangible that Wenger has lost sight of, perhaps, as Wenger has clearly lost sight of a variety of other things on which he previously had a strong grasp. Yeah, and I, we, we can't forget the fact, too, that this is a player, when he was fit, you know, between 2013 and 2014, he made 20 appearances for the England national team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that his inclusion in the squad for the previous Euros was kind it was laughable and you know it was open to ridicule and i think for pretty good reason but that said it it doesn't mean that that like it was without any logic to it like he's he is one of the most talented midfielders to come out of the british isles in his generation that is inarguable right like you can argue that okay for that tournament he wasn't totally match fit he certainly wasn't in form that's fine, but his his fundamental combination of inborn skill and that skill crafted with good training throughout the course of his life, like that is inarguable. Mm-hmm. And it's it's something that I think that that we're only just beginning to see. And it, what the thing that concerns me the most, right? Like I'm as an Arsenal supporter personally, I'm more or less resigned to seeing Alexis and Ertzel leave either on free transfers this summer or perhaps at a cut rate price next month. Like that remains to be seen, but it will break my heart even more if Wilshire is allowed to leave on a free and he subsequently flourishes somewhere else, which I think he still can, right? Like I think that a lot of people wrote him off for his somewhat tepid experience at Bournemouth, but he's never been the kind of player who can totally create something out of nothing because he needs players both behind him defensively and in front of him as finishers in order to truly flourish. And I think that he's also a product of Arsene Wenger, right? And that like he's going to be most successful in a situation like Arsenal or like Barcelona or like Pep Guardiola's Manchester City that is built essentially on that kind of, you know, ticky-tacky creative passing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good to meet you. Yeah, we'll see what happens there, but it's definitely interesting. We'll take a break here. When we come back, we'll touch a little bit upon a couple of games here coming up this weekend, and then we'll get into our scoring predictions. So uh, stick around. Okay, and we're back. And uh, taking a quick look at the table, Manchester City is still in top. They got a little nine-point gap, or 11-point, I should say, not nine. Uh 11-point gap to Manchester United. United coming off a 1-0 win over Bournemouth. They will take on West Brom in their next game. And um, Jose Mourinho spoke about Henrik Mkhitaryan's absence the last couple of games. He's um, he's barely been in the squad. He failed to make the 18-man squad for seven out of United's last eight games. After a very promising start to the season. So I don't know what the heck has happened to Henrik Mkhitaryan. I mean, speaking of injury concerns and injury-prone players, right? Yeah, but he's been fit. Well, I... 
something's going on. I mean, it's the we were talking previously. Uh, I don't remember if it was two ep- two or three episodes ago about you know the th- that's what it was. It was the gamesmanship about Lacazette or potential gamesmanship. Who knows? We can't know. We're not behind the curtain with Wenger ahead of the Manchester United Arsenal game, right? Like saying, oh, he's got no chance to play, he's got no chance to play, and then suddenly he's in the starting 11. But it seems to me either there's some kind of nagging problem that's caused him to lose a step that they don't want to put on the injury report, or it's... It, it to me it's baffling. Like I don't know, Seb. You you tell me. Like you're more familiar with the goings on at Old Trafford than I am. Well, I mean, Mourinho. You know, he he just said that there's no room for him right now, and that he likes to have a balanced bench. So he needs, you know, in the last game he had two defenders, then Daily Blint who can play anywhere, you know, pretty decently, and then Young covering for the wings and wing back positions, and then Rashford and Ibrahimovic. So, well, I tell you what, if you if you guys want to do a one-for-one swap with either Ertzel or Alexis for Mkhitaryan, I would take him with both hands at the Emirates. So I don't really know what the issue there is. And, I mean, Daily Blint, I feel like you can leave him out because you already have two defenders and Young. Yeah. it. I, it's and, and, again, a given – nobody on this show is ignorant of Jose Mourinho – excuse me, uh, as I say ignorance, Paulie would kill me – Yes. Jose, hard yes. J. J- <laughs> Jose, Jose, Jose's volatile personal nature, right? Like it seems, it seems to me in my armchair analysis, having no idea what's actually happening. Like they, he maybe he made some snide comment, and Jose's ego is so big that it means that he's missing out his place in the squad. Now that I, I mean, if I'm if I'm Mikatarian. I would be furious right now, right? Like, I, I would be really angry signing with a club, expecting to be one of the major players in that club, and especially especially a player like him, and then Pogba being out. What? what? How does he not even make the bench? Yeah, that's the weird part, because I think he played well in that number 10 role at the start of the season, so, I mean, yeah, he might have just lost his form totally, but it, it's weird that he's not, you know, giving a chance. I mean, but yeah. maybe, maybe he looks horrible on the training pitch. We that's I think that's that, that's the only real other option, right? Like maybe he's he's totally profligate in possession and giving the ball away all the time in the training ground and looks totally out, like so terribly out of sorts that. But you don't. But the thing is that, and and again, you know, I already said it that we're this is totally conjecture, right? But you don't expect a a professional footballer to begin with, and certainly one of his caliber to get so totally badly out of form that the training ground alone is enough for the manager to not even include him on the bench. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a weird, weird, weird situation there. Uh, the marquee game of the week is obviously Manchester City taking on Spurs at the Etihad. Like we said before, City, you know, just running away with things at the top of the table. Spurs back in fourth place after, you know, a decent 2 nothing win over Brighton at home in their last game before then they thumped Stoke 5-1 to also at home. Now they travel on the road. You know, it's an interesting game, but at the same time, I still, you got to go with City as the big favorite here just seeing how well they're playing right now. 
I my in, in terms of the title race, my only question is: Do City ever lose? Yeah, that that's it. And and the fact that I'm even still somewhat agnostic about that is, you know, disheartening from an opposition point of view. But like, oh, they better they, lose. It would be so annoying if they went through a whole season without losing. Tell me about it. I mean, like, you know, from an Arsenal standpoint and a United standpoint, it would be infuriating. Um, but they're they they look good enough that they just they might just not. And I think that you know, two years ago, I guess actually I should say about a year and a half ago, we were talking about Pep Guardiola's uh, debut in the Premier League, and I think that the quality of the league is bespoke by the fact that he didn't just come in and run the show immediately. But I think that his quality as a manager. And admittedly, a manager who who has had deep pockets for his squad, you know, for the last decade, essentially. That's an important qualification. But nonetheless, his quality as a manager is really being reflected in just how good City are. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting game. Other than that, not too much interesting on the docket. Uh, your Arsenal, they're down to seventh place after a scoreless draw against West Ham. They take on Newcastle at home on Saturday. So, should go back to winning ways. I mean, yeah, but they also... It's it's tricky because I, you know, for our scoring predictions, I nearly picked a draw for that Arsenal match, which, of course, is easy to say in hindsight. But, you know, West Ham were coming off a big 1-0 victory over Chelsea. Um, Arsenal were by turns unlucky not to get a goal and also extremely lucky that Chicharito hit the bar at the very end of the match. Like they, that one point is a frustrating, but potentially vital and lucky point. I mean, you know, to me, granted I was texting my friend. So I, what I said was vinegar out, but yes, vinegar out. Vinegar out. Um, It's, it illustrates just how, how poor this Arsenal squad can be under Arsene Wenger at the moment. And I think that I think that you have to you have to respect the ceilings that he's still capable of, right? Like that that 90-minute performance against Chelsea at Wembley in the FA Cup final is fantastic. And everyone except for Arsene Wenger himself knew that that should have been his last 90 in charge of Arsenal Football Club. But it wasn't, and now here we are. Because even though he's still capable of getting a performance like that out of the players that he has when they're underdogs and they're against a team with a lot of quality and a team that is in form, he can still do that. But sometimes you have to judge a manager by not the ceiling, but the basement. And the basement is like several floors deep and flooded at this point. Yeah. That would be interesting. With that, let's go into our scoring prediction. Heading into this match week, Paulie's still in the lead, 135. I'm in second, 127. And Elliot, congrats. You're over 100 points now, 108. Woo! I made it. I made it. Hey, that yeah. uh, that goal from Huddersfield at the very end against Chelsea, that was uh, saved my bacon a little bit. Yeah, I mean, From being totally burnt to a crisp, but it's still true. kind of bacon bitsy. Yep. So first out, we got Leicester against Crystal Palace. I'm going 2 nothing Leicester in that one. We should say DePauli has not put in his picks yet, so right now it's one nothing to all the home teams. Boy, he's. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe he'll just like by turns pick your picks and my picks and play defensively. Ah, that's we'll, true. We'll find out about that. 
Uh, I I think 2-0, I mean, especially, I don't think that they're going to get a goal glut that we saw midweek. Um, but 2-0 sounds right to me, so I'm going to piggyback with you on that one. Okay. And then we have Stoke against West Ham. I'm going 2-1 to one West Ham on that one. Yeah, they, I mean, they they look good. I think Arnautovic needs to be a little more clinical. I don't – I think Stoke have goals in them, but they still haven't figured it out. 1-0 West Ham. 1-0 to the West Ham. Okay. Then Chelsea, Southampton, 2 nothing Chelsea. Ah, uh, no. They get more than that. 3-0. 3-0 Chelsea. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Then Arsenal, Newcastle. I'm going 3 nothing Arsenal. I want to agree with you, man, but it's gonna it's gonna be a, a nervy affair. I'm still gonna give the Gunners all three points, two one. Two to one, okay. Then Brighton against Burnley, high flying Burnley. I'm going one nothing Burnley. Uh, they're they're doing great. I mean, it's amazing that they are where they are. Brighton are good too, uh, and they're not gonna be afraid of Burnley. Well, I mean, they were never going to be that, but. I think 1-1. Okay. I'm going 1-1 in our next game here, which is Watford at home to Huddersfield. Damn it, Seb. I don't want to keep piggybacking off of your choices. That's a good um, one. <laughs> it is a good one. Uh, I'm going to, though. Yeah, I think 1-1 uh, draws right. Then that Manchester City Spurs game, I'm thinking this is going to be our goal fest, so I'm going 4-2 Man City. Yeah. Well, that was... <laughs> I can't I can't pick on you every time. So I'm going to go 3-2 Man City. We'll give them okay. – Spurs are going to get a garbage time goal, but it's actually going to be pretty clear city sailing the whole way. Then West Brom at home to Manchester United. I'm going one nothing Manchester United. Nah, nah, 2-0. No. Wow, you're giving them a lot of credit. They did not look good in the last game. Barely came out with the win there. Wow, but the thing is that they're, they've got so much quality that even though form is important, like I think that they're – their standard deviation is high. We'll mm. put it that way. Yeah, we'll see. Then Bournemouth, Liverpool. I'm going three nothing Liverpool. Three one Liverpool. Simone Mignolet is not very good. Oh, that's that is true, and they are coming <laughs> off a couple of disappointing results too. Then, lastly, the Monday game. That's Everton against Swansea. I'm going one one. Ah, uh, I I think Everton are going to keep winning, man. Uh, two one. Two one Everton. Okay. Well, there you have it, guys. Uh, we're going to leave you with Paulie's mobile take where he speaks a little bit about Manchester United and also a lot about Burnley. So enjoy that, and we'll talk to you again after the weekend. Until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Noren. Elliot is Keats was better. Paulie's peak was out. And have a good one. Hey, it's Paulie, and I'm here not to talk to you about Jose Mourinho and how much of a POS he is for getting angry at Manchester City for celebrating a big win. Um, they won. You lost. They're allowed to celebrate. You're a, piece, you're a schmuck for thinking that they didn't have the right to celebrate. Oh, and by the way, let's not forget about the fact that you once deemed Kevin De Bruyne not talented and sold him. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about Sean Dyche and Burnley, who, when... On the morning of December 13th, Wednesday, when the sun rose that morning, Burnley were sitting in fourth place. Let that sink in again. Burnley, fourth place, December. This isn't three games in and a hot start. This is December. We're almost at the halfway point of the season. 
and they got a 1-0 win on Tuesday, puts them in fourth place. And Sean Dyche goes out there and says, the fans have the right to dream. He couldn't be more right. They have the right to dream, and frankly, the club should dream too. But, that comes with a big but, don't let that change your expectations. Look, Burnley can dream of challenging for the Champions League. It's not going to happen. They can dream of challenging for the Europa League. It's not going to happen. The realistic answer is they'll probably settle down and finish probably 11th, and that's a great result for them. Don't outgrow your boots. Whatever it is that you're doing, keep doing that. Their off-season priority, give Sean Dyche as much money as he wants. You have money. You're going to get £9 million just for being on TV, and that's before any of the other payments come in from the league. £9 million just for being on TV. Give him that money. Give him as much money as he needs to stay at Burnley. Keep doing what you're doing. Don't go out there and sign players for the sake of signing players. Keep doing what you're doing. Sign a few players here and there if they fit your team and they make you better. Don't just go out there and sign the big name because more often than not, that doesn't work. Remember, you finished 11th this year. That's great. That doesn't mean you're going to finish 9th or 8th next year. You might finish 14th. That's fine because if you keep building at this process, eventually you'll finish 11th consistently and then maybe 9th consistently. Dare to dream. You can return to Europe, whether it be in, it'll probably be in the Europa League. It may happen in three years. It may happen in four years. Don't try to rush it to happen in one year because when you do that, more often than not, it all blows up in your face and you'll get relegated. Dream on, Burnley fans, but don't raise the expectations. Seb will read my picks. Hopefully I'll get them in on time this week. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.